seated. Our second gospel lesson tonight comes from the gospel of John, the first chapter. I invite you to hear these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and that life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When John began his gospel, it's like he was saying, I know you've heard the story about the angels and the shepherd and the wise men. You have heard it, you've heard it all over your living rooms. Your children can tell the story back to you, and that's wonderful. But it's like John, the gospel writer, was saying, let me tell you what was happening behind the scenes. Let's pull back the curtain and hear the rest of the story. So that's just what John, the gospel writer, does. He begins with this swooping panoramic vista of a beginning. In the beginning was the word. John's words are like a grand movie opening, like a Lord of the Rings shot over a mountainous coastline of New Zealand. John knows that we know the detail of the story. Now he wants to let us know what God has been up to in the world since the beginning of time and how this all culminates in the coming of Jesus. So John has to use poetry here. There is an expansiveness and a mystery to John's language. If John just used prose to tell us about God's coming into the world, it wouldn't have the right tone. Genesis 1, after all, is a poem too. In the beginning, John begins, just like in the beginning when God began to create the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, right, tells us about the beauty and order of God's creation. So John's use of this word, the word, is kind of confusing at first to us. But the term the word in scripture is what happens when God reveals who God is to people. 
The word in Greek culture and philosophy was a term that described the natural order of the universe. John intentionally used this term that could speak to both Jews and to Greeks to help them all understand that the word had always been in existence. And the word was not only with God, but the word, in fact, was God. And this introduction to the word hits its high point in verse 14, the last verse we read today. The word became flesh and made his home among us. God's revelation, God's wisdom that undergirds the whole of creation took on flesh. This, this is the great celebration of Christmas. God entered the world in human form. That is one of the craziest claims that Christianity makes. But that's what we believe. God wanted to get so close to us to offer us salvation that God made his home among us. That word for made his home is the same word that was used for tabernacle in the Old Testament. The tabernacle was the tent where the presence of God dwelt in the midst of the Israelites in the wilderness. And now, now God's presence doesn't just dwell in a tent or in a temple. It dwells in human flesh in the person of Jesus. Jesus is not only described as the word in this passage, but he is also described as the light. The light is Jesus in history. The light was in the world, but his own people wouldn't recognize him. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness of death could not overcome the light of Jesus' resurrection. I was taken by this image of the light this year while reading this passage. The light that John describes is so bright, it's like you can't turn your eyes away from it. The light is not able to be extinguished. This light seems like it can spread to all I am so attracted to this light when I read about it, but I wonder, if the light is so bright, how do we miss it? How did the people around Jesus miss it? Maybe we miss the light because we are so focused on the darkness. Gosh, that's tempting today, isn't it? It's so easy to learn about all of the bad things going on in the world and to focus on them it used to be a morning paper and the evening news. Now we find out instantaneously what is wrong in the world with a notification straight to our phones. It feels like darkness surrounds us and like dark news is everywhere. And we can't see the light when we are just focused in on the darkness. Maybe we also miss the light because we aren't paying attention. When I was my kid's age, I loved to read in the car while we were on long trips. I wasn't one of those kids that got car sick in the back seat. And most of the time, this was probably a good thing because I couldn't talk if I was reading. And so my parents got a little relief from my incessant speech. But I remember times driving around a place like the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now you have to understand, I'm from Illinois. We didn't even have hills there, okay? So going to the mountains is a big deal. And my dad would be begging me to put down the book and look around. And I did not get how this was a big deal. Look at the trees, Kevin, he would tell me. 
he really sounds like that, God bless him, he's probably watching it right now. Look at the trees, Kevin. I'd say, I see the trees, Dad. And went right back to my book, like a nine or 10 year old would. We could have been driving right on the ledge of the Grand Canyon and I wouldn't have noticed because I wasn't paying any attention. I think this is why we hear about John the Baptist in the middle of this sweeping introduction to John's gospel. Listen to what we hear about him right in the middle. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light. There was only one light. His job was to testify to the light, to point others to that bright light. He didn't want anyone to miss out on the light of the world. Have you ever been outside on the night of a particularly bright full moon? It feels like the moon is lighting up the entire world. Only it's not, right? Because the moon is just a rock surface. At least that's what I learned in science class. It produces no light whatsoever. But what it does is reflect the light. And the light of the sun is so vibrant that the moon shines back on us at the surface of the earth. As children of God, we can become the very place where God's glory shines. Our ordinary lives, this ordinary flesh and bones that we have, living our ordinary lives becomes the very place where God dwells. Friends, the good news of Christmas is not that you are the light. The good news is that Jesus is the light and the darkness cannot overcome the light. The good news is not that there are five steps that you need to learn in order to reflect the light better. You don't need to know a lot of things about God. You don't need to remember what I said about what the word is and how that works. You don't need to have fixed up your entire life first. You don't need to be predisposed to be the type of person who reflects the light. No, none of that. The good news is that the light of Jesus is so bright that if you just open yourself to it, you shine like a star. So what do we do? We turn ourselves toward the light. Friends, if you've been running, don't run from the light anymore. Don't avoid the light thinking that you are undeserving of it. Instead, let yourself bask in the warmth of God's loving embrace in Jesus. Let us pray. Holy God, you sent forth light to us in the person of Jesus. And ever since that coming over 2,000 years ago, the light has been shining forth. It has been passed on, it's been passed around. And we recognize, God, that we are not always the best reflectors of that light. And yet, 
the light is so bright that it can overcome and overtake even our weakest reflections. So God, we ask that you would help us to turn to you that even on this holy night, this night where we ponder a little bit more like Mary, this night where we may celebrate with friends and family, this night where we may ache for the fact that we aren't celebrating with friends and family, or we remember those spaces around the table that are not occupied anymore. We ask God that you would help us open ourselves to your light through the power of your Holy Spirit that moves in and around us and that light that has come to save us and to give us life abundantly. It's in the name of that light, Jesus, we pray. Amen.